Welcome to the City Church Podcast. We hope that you will be abundantly blessed by this message. If you would like to find out more about the city, please log on to our website, www.thecity.sg. Thank you, Jen. And it's so good to be back on the pulpit again, sharing with you God's Word. I believe all of us are looking forward to the day where we can all gather back together in our physical location to worship Jesus and uh, to sing together. But before that, I pray that this uh, time together would strongly encourage you and that you will be blessed by this morning's message. We've just completed a, an amazing series called The People of the Spirit, and I totally enjoy myself listening to our pastors expounding on the various fruit of the Holy Spirit and how it can apply to our lives. I believe the Spirit-filled life is multifaceted. From the life of Jesus, we read that He was conceived by the Holy Spirit and how He was actually prepared by the Holy Spirit as He was growing up for 30 years. Those silent years, He was actually being formed by the Holy Spirit. And uh, then when He went public in His ministry, He was filled with the Holy Spirit after He was baptized by John the Baptist. And He was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness and there he was sustained by the Holy Spirit for 40 years. And after he passed the test gloriously, the Bible tells us that he, was, uh, he returned to Jerusalem in the power of the Holy Spirit. So to be a people of the Spirit means we must, first of all, be a Spirit-formed community. And that means we must allow the Holy Spirit to form and fashion us into the likeness of Jesus by producing within us the fruit of the Holy Spirit, like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. I also believe that to be a people of the Spirit, we must also allow the Holy Spirit to empower us, to become a Spirit-empowered community. We must allow the Holy Spirit to fully possess us and to anoint us with power so we can all do the works of Jesus in our city, not by our own might and strength, but by the Holy Spirit. And that's what the Bible says when in Acts chapter 10, verse 38 it says that god anointed jesus of nazareth with the holy spirit and how he went about doing good healing all who oppressed by the devil for god was with him i became a christian when i was 15 years old most of you know this story uh, i've told this many times and uh, i'm in good, good company because the apostle paul if you read the book of acts told his salvation story three times and so it's not just a one-off experience and we just kept it under, under wraps. I want to strongly encourage us, keep telling our testimony because that's how we overcome the devil. And so here I am again, I want to tell you how I came to Christ. I was born again and uh, gloriously saved and I was part of uh, an amazing church, I, I must say, who helped ground me in my faith. But that church didn't really believe in uh, the baptism in the Holy Spirit. They believe that uh, we have the Holy Spirit within us, uh, but they think that this whole thing about the charismata and the Holy Spirit uh, coming upon us and the gift of tongues, uh, those are not really relevant to the Christian life. And so I actually believed that for a couple of months and... I read the scriptures, it was dry, I was trying to do ministry and I felt powerless. I tried to overcome certain habits in my life and I kept succumbing uh, back into this stronghold and I was powerless. And of course, I went to uh, a church that was meeting in a rundown theater 
and uh, I heard charismatic preaching for the first time and the pastor then gave uh, the call for those who want to give their lives back to Christ. I didn't know why I responded. I just went forward. He says to raise my hands and so I raised my hands and there the Holy Spirit met me and I was powerfully filled with the Holy Spirit and that gave me a sense of like joy and peace. But it also gave me uh, the beautiful gift of tongues. And uh, that transformed my entire prayer life altogether. And since then, it has been a gift that I, that I treasure. It has been a gift that I practice. It's a prayer language that I use every single day, uh, not just in the morning when I pray, but throughout the day, I'll be praying in tongues under my breath. And this morning, I just felt led by the Holy Spirit to uh, talk to all of us uh, and to call our church to, uh, to remember this lost practice. I call it the lost practice of praying in tongues. And so that's my title, the lost practice of praying in tongues. See, we have to experience God in His fullness and we must fully embrace the entire Christian life. And if we study church history, every revival movement has restored certain truths that were discarded by believers. Uh, we read about the Reformation and how that brought forth the central doctrine of salvation or what is called justification by faith. And we, uh, and we, and we, we understood that as the gospel. Uh, we also read about the Wesleyan revival and how that brought forth uh, this understanding of the second blessing or what is called the sanctification. Uh, and then, of course, the Welsh revival brought forth holiness and purity in the church. In fact, you know, as I was preparing for this Sunday, I've got the freedom to speak on whatever uh, that I can speak on. And, and, I, and as I was praying, one of the topics that the Lord spoke to me about was talking to you about holiness. But I believe that that's an important message that has also been lost and been and, and, and uh, you know, in this age where we talk a lot about you know, God's goodness and His grace that perhaps we have neglected uh, the truth of holiness next time. And of course, we know the, in the Zusa Street Revival, the Pentecostals brought with them the defining doctrine of the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the initial evidence of speaking in tongues. And of course, in the 1990s, the third wave teachings brought understanding to the gifts of, the, of healings, the gift of prophecy, the restoration of the apostles and prophets and evangelists. However, it also taught that tongues, though powerful, is not the initial evidence of this second experience with the Holy Spirit. And many in the church were influenced by this teaching and they began neglecting, I would say, the gift of tongues. And the reason, I believe, is many of them who receive the gift of tongues do not fully understand its power. Now, this morning, I'm not here to debate with you whether that's the initial evidence. It could be, it may not be. I'm here to tell you that the Apostle Paul said he prayed in tongues more than all of us. And therefore, I'm here to challenge us and to remind us of this amazing gift we've all received if we've been baptized in the Holy Spirit called tongues. To many Spirit-filled Christians, the gift of tongues is merely the initial evidence of one's infilling of the Holy Spirit. And without, without experiencing the power, the gift of tongues becomes a mere doctrine. But tongues is more than just an initial evidence. The wonderful gift is part of our inheritance. Listen carefully. It is part of our inheritance as new covenant believers. And it must be practiced. 
We believe in practicing in this church. It must be practiced regularly, consistently, so that we as a church can unleash the power of praying in tongues in our everyday lives. See, being selective with the truths that God is restoring is like us being picky with food. Sometimes I think that vegetables is like holiness. You know, we, it's too hard. It's, it's too bitter. We just don't like the taste when we talk about holiness. So we don't want to eat it. We just leave it to uh, uh, some, some other people and we give them labels like they are legalists. Come on, holiness is part of our inheritance. We are supposed to be set apart. We are called out from the world. For us to be different, we must, uh, for us to make a difference, we must first be different. Likewise, the baptism in the Holy Spirit, praying in tongues, whether it's the initial evidence or not, is part of our inheritance. And we must recover this powerful practice of praying in tongues and enjoy this full spread of, of God's banqueting table before us. So just let me share with you this morning on some of the benefits that I have had. Now, it may not be true for you, it may not be true for you, but that I have had uh, from praying in tongues. And I pray that this will inspire you to uh, keep praying in tongues if you've been praying in tongues, to start praying in tongues if you've not been praying in tongues, or to restart if you have neglected this wonderful prayer language. First of all, it supercharges my prayer life. It supercharges my prayer life. Tongues makes our prayer life powerful and unlimited. It is the language of the Holy Spirit puts inside us by God to express to God everything we are unable to put into words because of our human limitations. You see, it is a powerful prayer language that is not limited by distance, by time, or by our head knowledge. And even young children can pray in tongues and be powerful. There are moments when the human mind doesn't know how to pray at all especially in a crisis, when we have a problem, we may not know everything about it or how to resolve it. We may not even have the Bible verses to pray or we don't even know how to start praying. Hence, we may pray with limited knowledge or understanding about the, the situation. But if you pray in the Holy Spirit, you're allowing Him to intercede for you and through you. And the Holy Spirit, who is unlimited, and who knows all things. He knows exactly what the problem is, where the problem is, and exactly how we should pray. He knows how to bring God's best solution into every situation. And that's uh, what Paul was telling us in Romans chapter 8, verse 26 and 27. In those verses, Paul said, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. Now, while some may dispute that Paul isn't talking about tongues here, I believe this passage refers both to travailing prayers, which is a type of prayers, a kind of prayers, as well as praying in tongues. When we pray in tongues, the Holy Spirit gives us the words to pray. Whether uh, we know how to pray, what to pray, uh, we can yield our tongue to the Holy Spirit and let Him intercede through us, which is in harmony with God's will. There are times in my life where 
you know, I, I was lost. Times in my life where I felt helpless. Times in my life where I don't, don't want to pray. Times in my life where I was in a crisis and you know, I was trying to look for Bible verses, promises from the scriptures, and nothing came to mind. It's times like that that I just felt this well spring of the living waters of God rising up from within me and I started praying the Spirit, slow as it may be, was weak in the initial moments. But the more I prayed in the Holy Spirit, the more words were gushing forth and I found myself just screaming at times in the Spirit. And God was praying through me and then I had all inspired thoughts and solutions were coming to my mind, things that I should say to different people or, or, or actions I should take. And that's exactly what this verse means, that God is praying through us in according to His perfect will. And do you, do you know what? We often separate these two verses, 26 and 27, Romans chapter 8, with the next verse, which is Romans chapter 8, verse 28. We all know what that verse says, but we don't link those two verses together because the next verse, Romans 8, 8 28 says, and then He will cause everything to work together for good in every area of our lives. He will make all things to work together for good. And this verse follows after Him praying through us and Him praying in us. Friends, it supercharges our prayer life, especially when we don't know what to pray. The second thing that I've learned that works for me is that it fortifies my inner man. Now, we all know that a man is made up, made up of three parts, spirit, soul, and body. And uh, we have an inner man. And in Jude chapter 1, verse 20 and 21, the apostle Jude wrote, But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keeping yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Building yourself up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. See, friends, when we pray in tongues, we are strengthening our faith and we're keeping ourselves in God's love. You see, Paul in Ephesians chapter 6 describes faith as a shield. I would like to suggest to all of us that when we pray in tongues, we are building a false field of faith around our lives. And we don't have to fear the devil's attack against us. You see, we have an adversary. And Paul is very clear when he says, we must not be unaware of his devices. A lot, a, lot, a lot of us believers walk around and sometimes we forget that we have an enemy who's against us. He has come to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Especially in times like this. Especially when there's a crisis looming around us. The enemy of our soul is there to leverage you know, on the crisis around us, and to weaken our faith, to pull us down, to discourage us. And my friends, and this is when we need to pray in the Holy Spirit to build around us a false field of faith so that we can claim the promise in Isaiah chapter 54 and that is no weapon formed against us shall prosper. Every tongue that rises up against us, He shall condemn. We must remember that God has actually empowered us to build a shield of faith around us so that even when the enemy comes against us, he, he cannot touch us. Uh, uh, yes, yes and amen. Yes and amen. And the best part about this is that you can do it anytime. Like I said, I pray in tongues as much as I can throughout the day. In the morning before I read the scriptures, I pray in the Spirit, walking 
around the park, I pray in the spirit. After I have my meals, I pray in the spirit. In the shower, I pray in the spirit. Uh, after a meeting over Zoom, I pray in the spirit. You see, it is, it is a practice that we, because it transcends our minds, we can do it at any time of day. In the shower, we pray in the spirit. When we're driving, we pray in the spirit. We can pray in the spirit under our breath at any time. Mothers, when you're cooking, you can pray in the spirit. Uh, when you are when you're frustrated you know, with your child, when, when he was studying, you can pray in the Spirit. See, friends, we can pray in the Spirit at all times and be building your shield of faith throughout the day. And I believe that's how we build a strong inner man. God has given us His Word to strengthen us. He has also given us, I believe, the gift of praying in tongues to build up our most holy faith. The third thing, that how, how tongues has blessed me is that it silences the, the deception of fear in my life. I don't think I'm the only person who struggles with fear. I believe fear is a very real feeling that every believer struggles with. And the Bible tells us in the same verse in Jude that praying in the Spirit keeps me in the love of God. And in 1 John chapter 4, verse 18, we read that fear can be a torment. It's tormenting and only perfect love will cast out fear. You see, fear is a very real thing. When things are going on wrong in, in our lives, when we lose our jobs, when our kids are acting up, when, you know, uh, the, when the economy is, is uh, not looking good, fear creeps in. Fear, fear, fear tries to get a hold of our lives. But listen, fear should not be part of the believer's life because fear cripples us. And one of the ways to keep ourselves in the love of God, to cast out all fear, is to pray in the Holy Spirit. And as you do that, I believe fear will be driven out completely from our lives. Is that simple? Yes, it's that simple. When you pray in tongues, you are keeping yourself in God's love. And fear has got no place when you're full of the love of God, when you know that God loves you completely and fully. So my friends, does fear have a hold on your heart and mind this morning? Perhaps you are in prison or you're in bondage by fear. You're afraid of getting sick because there are family members around you who are falling sick. You're afraid that you may die young. I've talked to people who are afraid of death and the fear of death is a real thing. Fear of losing your jobs because of the economy. You see, we break the bondage of fear that has held so many believers captive when we pray in the Spirit. Now, let's look at another verse in the Scripture that uh, shows us a, a similar truth. And that's in 2 Timothy chapter, chapter, chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. Apostle Paul reminds T uh, Timothy, Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you, through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. You see, the word gift in Greek is the word charisma, which is, trans, which is the same as grace gift. And one of the, these gifts that we can receive through the laying on of hands is the gift of tongues. And we stir up that gift when we use it. And in these verses, Paul was reminding Timothy that stirring up the gift of tongues is the key to living free of fear, of experiencing power, 
love and of having a sound mind. These are all blessings that are also our inheritance in Christ. And what's amazing, if you keep on reading in June, in verse 24, when we are building up ourselves in our most holy faith, praying the Holy Spirit, keeping ourselves in the love of God, in verse 24 in Jude, it says here, Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. I believe in this short book of Jude, the apostle was instructing us some very powerful principles on how we can uh, stand firm in times of shaking. We can appear faultless in His coming, and we can have exceeding joy when everything around us appear gloomy. Amen? So praying in the Holy Spirit. The fourth thing that you know, I've discovered is that praying in tongues releases healing to your body and mind. If you, if you know me, I seldom fall sick, and I can actually attribute a lot of that to uh, my, this spiritual practice of uh, just praying in the Spirit. And of course, feeding on, on God's Word, right? If you read Proverbs chapter 4, God's Word is like medicine to us. That's a subject for another day, but praying in tongues, I believe, actually releases healing and health into our body. The Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 4, He who speaks in tongues edifies himself. Now, you may have heard that when you pray in tongues, you edify or you supercharge only your spirit man or your inner man. But it's, it's interesting that in this verse, in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 4, Paul didn't say that only your inner man is edified. It says that the one who speaks in tongues edifies himself, your entire self, which I believe include your eyes, your ears, your nose, your mouth, your throat, your heart, your muscles, your joints, your bones, your nervous system, and every part of your body, your mind, your spirit, it edifies every part of our being. And what's interesting is that the word edifies is translated from the Greek word, which means to build up, to build a house or to erect a building, to restore by building, to repair, uh, to rebuild. And isn't that interesting? Because the Bible actually calls our physical bodies temples or houses of the Holy Spirit. So in other words, my friends, as you pray in tongues, we are rebuilding or repairing or reconstructing our bodies that are being beaten up as we go through the, the day, you know, through stress or, or the food that we eat or our age. We are rebuilding this temple of the Holy Spirit. See, God wants to take care of our whole being. So don't just limit this amazing effect uh, of praying in tongues just to our inner man. I believe it should also release health and healing into our body. In fact, as I was just preparing for this message, you know, I came across uh, a few research. One, one of them is done by, doc, by Dr. Carl Peterson, conducted you know, uh, a study at ORU in Tulsa, Oklahoma. He's a brain specialist, and he was doing a research on the relationship between uh, the brain and praying in tongues. And he found that as we pray in tongues or worship in tongues, the brain releases two 
chemical secretions that are directed into our immune systems, giving our immune system a 35 to 40 percent boost. And this promotes healing within our bodies. And what's amazing is that this secretion is triggered from a part of the brain that has no other apparent activity in humans and is only activated by our spirit-led prayer and worship. Or in other words, when we pray in tongues. How interesting. When we pray in tongues for strengthening our immune system. Another study that involved nearly a thousand clergy members of a British evangelical group found that 80% who practice speaking in tongues have greater emotional stability and less neuroticism. Interesting. You see, friends, praying in tongues is a powerful way we can experience healing both for our spirit but also for our mind and body. So I don't know what you're suffering this morning. I really believe that when we pray in the Spirit, uh, it strengthens our body. It heals us of our physical conditions. I believe it can also help with depression and different areas of our lives. It releases healing and wholeness to our body. And sometimes we forget that. And this brings me to my last point, which is praying in tongues releases the precious flow of the Holy Spirit into every area of life. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is John chapter 7. And uh, this was the last day of the feast. And in these verses, uh, in verses 37 to 39, the Bible says, On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now, this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believe in him were to receive. For as yet the Spirit had not been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. And this passage was prophesying to the day of Pentecost, where the Holy Spirit came and he powerfully enabled the believer to live a powerful lives. And I want to read you the story of Agnes Osman, who lived between 1870 to 1937. Agnes Osman was a student at Charles Fox Parham Bethel Bible School in Topeka, Kansas. Osman was considered by many to be the first to speak in tongues in the Pentecostal revival when she was 30 years old. This is the story. Parham told his students to ponder over what the Bible verse received the gift of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2, verse 38 might mean and whether any evidence specifically related to this gift could be found, giving them three days while he was absent for this assignment. By the time he returned, his students collectively agreed that, that if the Holy Spirit had descended upon an individual, then speaking in tongues would be present and constitute sufficient proof of that. And the students pointed out that this type of event was mentioned four times in the Acts of the Apostles. Therefore, on New Year's Eve, uh, Parham and his, and his uh, class planned to pray for the gift of the Holy Spirit. On January 1st, 1901, which is almost 100 years ago, Osman asked her mentor Parham to pray that she could be filled with the Holy Spirit through the laying on of hands so that she might speak in tongues. And this was recorded in Stanley Frotchen's book entitled With Signs Following the Latter-day Pentecostal Revival. 
It reads, on 11 p.m. Jan on January 1st, 1901, Agnes Osman requested that hands, most likely those of Charles Parham, be laid upon her so that she would receive the gift of the Holy Spirit while typically praying the benediction of Hebrews 13 verses 20 and 21. Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do His will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in His sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. The book then goes on to state that Agnes Osman said, It was common for me to pray the verses while praying, and it was as if hands were laid upon my head that the Holy Spirit fell upon me, and I began to speak in tongues, glorifying God. I talked several languages, it was clearly manifest when a new dialect was spoken. I had the added joy and glory my heart longed for, and a depth of the presence of the Lord within that I had never known before. It was as if, listen carefully, it was as if rivers of living water were proceeding from my innermost being. When I read that, I realized that while we go through dry, dry times, it is not God's will for the Christian to go through prolonged dryness in their walk with God. In the last few weeks, I've been challenging. I talked to you about you know, my valley experience, and uh, definitely it, it wasn't the most fun of times. But because of the mundane activity of like, me just waking up, I found myself in the morning just having hours in the scriptures and having time to just pray in tongues. And the more I pray in the Spirit and the more I read the scriptures, the more you know, I felt this bubbling forth of the life of God just coming out from within me. It's, like, it's, as, it's, it's exactly what Jesus prophesied. Out of His innermost being, out of our innermost being, will flow rivers of living water. I believe the promise of Scripture is that God wants us, God wants to flood our dryness with the rivers of life. You see, friends, as Christians, we have full access to these rivers of life through the Holy Spirit. And you need to notice in that passage that the word rivers is plural in John chapter 7. And this indicates multiple flows of the precious Holy Spirit. In Revelation chapter 3, verse 1, it reveals that Jesus had the seven spirits of God. And Isaiah chapter 11, verse 2, gives us more insight. The prophet Isaiah wrote that the Holy Spirit himself rested upon Jesus, and from the Holy Spirit flowed wisdom, understanding, counsel, might, knowledge, and the fear of the Lord. You see, there'll be moments in our lives when we don't know what to do or what to say. Moments where we are looking for guidance and we can't find clear guidance from friends or, 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 or from counselors. The Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit is our guide. He's our counselor. He is our teacher. And He will lead us into all truth. And when we start praying the Holy Spirit, I believe that that river of wisdom and revelation would start to bubble forth and gush out from us. And we find ourselves just immersing in this supernatural wisdom of God. Moments where we don't know what to say to our friends or to our family or to, to our bosses. 
The Bible tells us in Luke chapter 12, verse 12, the Holy Spirit will give you the words to say at the moment when you need them. This is our inheritance. We have a helper. We have a counselor. We have a guide. We are not alone. Amen. We are not, we are not uh, orphans. The Bible says that He goes so that He can send the Holy Spirit to us. He will not leave us as orphans. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know how dry you are. But I read the Bible and the Bible tells me that when uh, I drink from the Holy Spirit, I believe when I pray in tongues out of my innermost being, my heart will flow rivers of living water. When I need Him, He is there. Somebody say, Amen. Come on. When I need Him, He is there. And that's why Paul said we are to pray for the spirit of wisdom and revelation. I've discovered, my friends, the more we pray in tongues, the more our spirits become sensitive to His leading. Similarly, as we practice this gift, we become more familiar with sensing the presence or the absence of the Lord's peace regarding a matter. And the more we learn to recognize and follow His leading of peace, the more we'll be equipped to make the right decisions. And that is what wisdom is. Wisdom is the grace to make the right decision. Finding ourselves at the right place at the right time and experiencing His blessings, His protection, and His favor on our lives. And I believe that comes when we acknowledge His presence by speaking in other tongues. Are you hard-pressed to make a decision? Are you in a valley? Are you in a rough place, whether it's in your finances or relationships? I want to encourage all of us, stir up the reservoir of God's divine wisdom that's dormant in you, perhaps for a long time now, and release the rivers of wisdom and bring revelation and discernment into every situation of your life. And as I was just writing this, I'm reminded you know, of a funny story when I was in Tanzania many years ago and I was there all by myself and I was the only person in that town who could speak English. And for some reason, they, 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 there was no one there speaking in English and I've got to take a bus uh, back to the capital city and I had a flight to catch and I need to go to a hotel that you know, uh, someone has booked for me and I have no idea how to do that. And so I was desperate. And when I was buying the ticket, I prayed. I pray in tongues because how do you pray, right? God, send the right person. I, I don't know what to pray. What's the right prayer to pray? And so I was just praying in tongues and says, just praying in tongues. And so I was just going up and the salesperson pulled out a piece of paper and there was this like seating plan, right? And I was just praying in tongues under my breath and I just said, I'll choose this seat. And I pointed this seat. Uh, they gave me the ticket. I went up the bus. I turned to the person next to me and uh, this was this well-dressed gentleman and I said, hello, and he said to me, hello, how do you do? And he spoke to me in English. And I found out that he is a medical doctor who was on an assignment to this small town, and he was going back to the capital city. And throughout the whole journey, he got me food. Uh, he uh, flagged down a taxi when we, uh, when we arrived at the terminal. He gave instructions to the taxi driver, pick me up tomorrow at this time uh, to send me to the, app, to the airport. And I tell you, you, you could say this is just coincidence, but I really believe and I don't know what to do. I just pray in the Holy Spirit and God intervened. And this is one of the many stories that I can tell you. When I pray in tongues, God's divine guidance came into my life. So, pray in the Spirit. 
Now, as I said, apart from the river of wisdom, there are many other rivers because the word rivers is plural in John chapter 7 and God wants to release rivers into your life. And this point is where we start to interact with different uh, circumstances in our lives, whether it's in our studies or in our work, in our ministry, the rivers of life wants to flow through us to touch those around us. Amen. So what's your need this morning? God has prepared rivers of healing, of life, of provision for all your challenges. So as I conclude, in spite of all our different interpretations of how or when we should pray in tongues in public, now that's the main point of contention. Should we pray in tongues in public, not in public? And uh, different scholars have got different views, different churches got different views. One thing is very, very, very clear in the Bible. The Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 18, I've quoted this verse in the earlier part of my message. Let me repeat this verse. He said, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. Which means in his private life, the Apostle Paul was praying in tongues. And he was fanatical in praying in tongues because he prayed in tongues more than all those who are in the church in Corinth put together. That tells me that that is one of the secrets to Paul's spiritual life. That's what makes a small statured man like Paul a giant in the faith. It's no wonder that Paul had such a powerful impact on Christendom. So I want to encourage all of us, if you have received this wonderful gift, start using it. Practice it so that God's power may work through your life for the expansion of the kingdom. If you, are, if you do not pray in tongues yet, I want to encourage you, ask God for the gift because God will give you the gift liberally, freely, without reproach. In fact, He wants to give you this good gift. This good gift. So let's pray this morning as uh, we come to a close. And uh, let's close your eyes where you are. And if you speak in tongues, I want you where you are now to just pray in the spirit, whether it's in your living room, in your bedroom. Start by building up yourself in the most holy faith. As I said, as you do that, you are reinforcing the false field of faith around your life. You are building up your spirit, soul, and body as you pray in tongues. So just start praying in tongues where you are. I really believe that as you're watching uh, on the screen, you can experience the presence of God. I sense that you know, if you're like me for the last two months, that, that perhaps you have begun to disengage in the sermon and you have begun to disengage uh, during this time we call church. And this morning, I wanted, I wanted to re-engage and to start by praying in the Holy Spirit. Come on where you are. If your family is with you, just don't turn off the screen. Just start praying in the Holy Spirit. If your wife is with you, hold her hands. If your husband is with you, hold his hands. If your kids are with you, just begin to put your arms around them. Start praying in tongues as a family. 
Listen, we are a tongue-speaking church. We are a spirit-filled, spirit-formed, spirit-led, spirit-empowered church. So where you are, just pray in the Holy Spirit and allow the Spirit of God to crash in where you are. In fact, as I'm praying right now, I can sense His presence. It's overwhelming me, and I believe that the same presence will touch you where you are, overwhelm you. And if you are dry this morning, I believe God wants to flood your soul with rivers of life, rivers of living water where you are. Come on, church, just pray in the Holy Spirit. And I pray that as we come back together in the next few weeks or months, that we can all come back full of life and vitality, full of, uh, this, uh, full, full of the person of the Holy Spirit, that you will not just come back dry, but you will come back fully alive in God. Amen. So pray in tongues where you are. Come on, make it a daily practice. Thank you, Lord. And if there's anyone sick among you, if there's anyone weak among you, if your faith is uh, wavering, I want you, you know, to, to just raise your hand where you are in the living room. And you know, if you are alone, let my, let my outstretched arm be a point of contact. And if you are with people where you are, I want you where you are to just raise your hand and your family members will just put their hands on you because I want to do ministry this morning. I just come here with this purpose of God touching your life. Because the Holy Spirit is powerful and He wants to touch you where you are. So come Holy Spirit, we ask that you will fill our church afresh with the Holy Ghost. I pray God that we will truly be a people of the Spirit. Lord, to be Spirit-formed and exhibiting God this amazing fruit of the Holy Spirit. But also to be Spirit-empowered God. To be fully alive God. To be prophesying. To heal the sick God. To pray in tongues. And God, to see the Spirit dimension at work every day from Monday to Sunday. So come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. We love you so much. We embrace everything about you this morning God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. If you have a need, after we close in prayer and team leads us in a song to respond, I want you to just tune into that Zoom room and allow our prophetic team to pray for you. Amen. I want you to receive ministry before you go even drier, if there's such a word. <laughs> Because I was, when I was preparing this message, John chapter 7 you know, came alive in my spirit. If any man does, let him come to me. I want you to come to Jesus this morning and drink from him. As I said, when you pray in tongues, there is no distance. There is no time. It transcends human mind. Drink from him right now and allow rivers of living water to flow out from you flow out from you and let a lot of team minister to you so just check in in the zoom room let the team pray for you pray with you pray over you because this morning we are going after an encounter with god i've heard amazing testimonies of how different people have met god virtually and why not us so why not our church so receive the holy spirit and father we thank you this morning for reminding us god of this lost practice of praying in tongues. And I pray, God, that in our church it will not be lost, but we will recover, God, this beautiful language, this powerful gift that, that many, God, have suffered, Lord, in 1900s, God, to recover, to contend for, for praying in tongues, God. 
to be restored, God, into the life of the church. So, Father, I pray, Lord, let the city, God, hold this up high, God, that we will be tongue-speaking believers. Amen. We love you. We honor you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. And every spirit-filled, spirit-formed, spirit-empowered believer say, Amen. Amen.